just behavior. I am really just like him. Look beneath the floorboards for the secrets I have hid. We are hopeless in our darkness, but there is one who breaks through the darkness. Seventh, two services, nine and eleven. You want to be there? You want to invite someone? We'll have signups starting soon, online for the service you want to be a part of. Going to be an uh, epic time as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's not dead. He's alive and he's living in me. He's changing me daily. Praise the Lord. Can you believe next Sunday is March 6th? Wow. And it's like spring's already here, so pretty excited. So, yeah, Beneath the Floorboards begins next Sunday. It's going to be an exciting uh, series. I'm anxious to get that kicked off. Live wires. Peace out, dude. Let's hear it for our children as they leave. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wednesday night, the ladies are coming here. They're going to be painting. Color beauty. So if you want to sign up, see the ladies in the at the info table. Yeah, at the info booth and uh, sign up online. I don't know if you noticed the new lights in the in the foyer area. Well, look up next time you're out there. All right. You're blessed by an anonymous donation of, of lights. Just want to say thank you to that person. And uh, Dave Devano put them in this week. Thank you, David. What a blessing. We got some great men around here. I'm telling you. 
Uh, we had Serge breakfast at my house yesterday. I mean, how many times does your pastor and his wife cook for you? Let's see, once in 12 years. Ah, <laughs> uh, you rocked it, baby. And we cooked together. Yeah, it was uh, pretty exciting. I got in the way a lot and uh, cracked a few shells into the eggs, but dug them out. And, and Grace Barnes, she blessed us with some quiche. I'm telling you, what a blessing you were, Grace. Uh, the men loved it. It was fabulous. Excited about the days to come, what God's doing in, in everyone's heart and life. Uh, God's just raising up an army of people who are all in. And we're declaring this year, captives no more. I mean, people that, amen. People have been bound way too long. It's time to see captives set free, and God is doing that among us. And I just want to thank you for being a part of that. All of us are setting people free. I love it. I love it. Through the power of Jesus. Yeah. So hand in hand, that's where we're at today. Uh, today's the last in the series, Hand in Hand. I heard about one guy who came to his wife carrying two Tylenol and a glass of water. He said, here. She said, what's this for? He said, your headache. He said, I don't have a headache. He said, gotcha. Well, well, hand in hand with God, hand in hand with each other. And today I want to talk a little bit about being hand in hand as a parent. Help, I'm a parent, and this kid came with no instructions. You ever been there? You, you may say, yeah, I mean, and you may say this morning, but I'm not a parent. Hang in there, all right? I have a feeling the Word of God has something to say to all of us today. In fact, in Psalm 127, the psalmist David writes, unless the Lord builds the house. We could stop right there and camp for a while. Because unless you invite God to have His hand involved in your house, no matter what that house looks like, whether it has children or not, whether it has a spouse or not, if you live in a house, you need the Lord in your house. And unless he's a part of your building and putting the superstructure together and the foundation, and, you know, foundation's a big deal. We've talked about that a lot. You've got to have a strong foundation in order to put up a superstructure that's going to last. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors. Sound like your day? For he, the Lord, gives to his beloved even 
in his sleep. What an awesome God. Hallelujah. And then the psalmist turns a bit and he says, Behold, children. <laughs> How'd that happen? Well, we know. Okay. Children are a gift of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. And he explains this a bit. He says, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. When they're sharpened, when they're pointed in the right direction, when they head to their given target, they become a powerful force. And God uses us as parents to mold and shape these little ones and send them in the right direction. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be ashamed when they speak with their enemies in the gate. I've always said if you raise them right, you don't have to be ashamed. So how do I raise these gifts that God has blessed me with? Christy and I asked that question many years ago. In fact, 30 years ago. 31? Wow. Elijah's that old? He's feeling it, I can tell you. He's feeling it. But with gray hair comes wisdom. What do you do when a child shows up in your life and you really have no user manual? Isn't that crazy? I mean, you get, a, you get a user manual with everything you buy, everything you get. You get, here's the instructions, here's how to do it. Just follow these instructions and you're good to go. And if you get a gift and it's not working right, you send it back, right? <laughs> these gifts are non-refundable, non-returnable. Blessing of God. You got to realize a few things as a as a parent. And let me give you a few. I'm going to give you ten R words. How about that? Help you remember. Uno. One. First. You're a role model. Somebody say I'm a role model. <laughs> Children don't develop in a vacuum. They develop in a home. In fact, statistics show that parents wield the greatest influence over children in regards to their faith. Did you know that? You wield the greatest influence. The family is the single most powerful discipleship small group in the world. And that's why God places us in families. In fact, one of the scriptures you'll notice above our water coolers, God places the lonely in families. He calls out the prisoners. He, he puts a song in their heart and he puts them in a family because family is so important. Spiritual growth happens in real life relationships and situations in authentic community in the family. Samuel Chan says, you'll only climb as high as the quality and capacity of those who hold your ladder. And so may we be those who have high quality and high capacity as we teach and train and enroll model 
what the real Christian life looks like. I've always said you can never take anyone farther than you yourself have gone. And that's so true spiritually. Uh, your life speaks volumes. Amen. Jimmy Evans, who's a marriage expert, whose marriage almost ended many years ago because he was a nasty man. He says, one of my favorite illustrations is one about the heaven marriage and the hell marriage. He says, it's not biblically accurate, but it makes a very memorable point. Imagine that heaven and hell both have banquet tables. In both places, the tables are set with an amazing spread of the most delicious foods anyone has ever encountered. The aroma is unbelievable. People sit in long rows on either side of the tables with the food in large bowls between them. And in both places, they have utensils strapped to their hands, but the utensils are too long to feed themselves. No matter how they contort or stretch, they're unable to get the food to their mouths. In heaven, the people are feeding each other using the utensils to scoop food out of the bowls and then offering to the person across from them. So in hell, people keep trying unsuccessfully to feed themselves, and they're starving. They're so self-absorbed, they'll kill themselves before feeding the person across from them. And he says this, a heaven marriage is unselfish. It is the strongest and most lasting kind of partnership built upon two servants in love. Two servants in love don't scramble to feed themselves. They say, what would you like? What can I give you? How can I nourish you? And again, we're role models. We're setting the pace. We're, we're showing the way. Tim Keller says that serving one another in marriage changes each of our character for the better and creates the kind of community that we want to live in. Right? You want to be in that kind of community where everyone's about everybody else. It's the kind of community that everyone thrives in. Children, adults, teenagers, everyone thrives when we're looking out for not just me, Tim also began to realize that as he began to serve his children through the years, he began to realize he would do anything for those little creatures. Right? Because as you serve and give, something happens to your emotions. The act of giving brings love. I don't love him anymore. Act like you love him. See what happens. There's no feeling there for her any longer. Begin to act that way, and you'll find that the feelings follow the actions. Because serving changes our feelings. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 10, 24, don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. You see, he understood some things. That when we begin to be concerned for everybody else, something happens to our feelings and we move in that direction. You're a role model. Just touch your neighbor and say, you're a role model. You're a role model. And some things are, are just picked up by osmosis. Right? The whole show and tell. How many love a show and tell as a kid? Right? Best day of school. Best hour. Best you know, whatever, show and tell. Why? Because you could see something and then hear about it. And that's what God calls us as role models to be, show and tell. Show your children. Show those around you what a real Christian family looks like. 
Let me just say, you can't let the school raise your kids and then turn around and go, well, I don't know what happened. Or let their friends be more influential than you. Or the television, or movies, or today's secular music. Or their dumb phone, I mean, the smartphone. <laughs> because if we allow outside influences to, to raise our children, let me just tell you, that ain't going to go well at all. And so we've got to be involved showing them what Christ looks like, being Jesus with skin on. Amen. Invest in the most important people in your life, your spouse and your kids. It's a portfolio that will bring amazing dividends and blessings. Can I get an amen? amen. I heard someone say, I think it was Andy Stanley, he said, your most important contribution to this world may not be something you do, but someone you raise. And I've said this for many years, it's, it's better to build children than to repair men. It's better to put the time and effort in in the beginning than to try to fix what we missed. We're called to prepare our children to think, act, and respond like God-fearing young men and women who will very soon be in charge of this world and in charge of you. <laughs> Just put that in the back of your mind. So live out your faith. Talk about it. Live it out loud. Let them see what a fully devoted, sold-out and radical Christ follower looks like. Let them see it. Don't put your Christianity in the closet. Well, I just want it to be between him and her and then the Lord, and, you know, someday they'll make a choice. Yeah, but give them some help. My goodness. Show them the way. Right? So let's talk about a few things. Teach them. Show and tell. Teach them. Teach them what romance looks like. Because the stuff they're seeing everywhere else isn't true. It's not real. It's fantasy. Our kids, when, when, uh, when they, we would show a little bit of love in the house, they're like, oh, yuck. Hey, take it to the bedroom. Go get a room. Go check it and we'd always look at them and say, we're giving you the best gift you could ever have to see what godly love looks like. It's the best gift you can give them. Show them how to love their spouse. Teach them how to respect their elders. Teach them how to listen attentively. Show them what it looks like to speak wisely to control their tongue and their emotions. Teach them how to pray powerfully. Show them what it looks like to do warfare with the enemy of their souls. Don't hide that. Bring them in to the fight with the enemy. Show them what it means to pray diligently. And when miracles happen, 
share with them. Amen. Show them how to, how to read the Word of God. Do it by example. Teach them how to give generously. And let, me, let me just stop and say this. If, if you give online, realize that your kids don't see that unless you show them when you're doing it at home or when you set up your recurring gift. Bless you who do that every week. But if you got kids, they don't see you giving when the bucket comes by. So talk about it. Show and tell. Talk about how God has called you to be generous. God, and here's how we're doing it, family. Let them see that. Just nudge your neighbor and say, that's a good idea. Show them how you prioritize your finances. Show them. Teach them how to handle money. Teach them how to not get into debt that will cripple them for the rest of their lives. Teach them. Show, you're a role model. Show them how you automate the important things. And talk about your serving. Here's how we're serving. Here's why we're serving. Tell the why behind the what. So it's not just empty religion in your kid's eyes. Amen. Show them what it looks like to love and respect your spouse. Show them what godly fighting looks like in marriage. Wow. I mean, here's the deal. Some, some couples go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, right? But what if God has called us to go hand-in-hand -hand instead of face-to-face -face and toe-to-toe? -to -toe and hmm. What if we turn that around and begin to engage the problem together? What a thought. What if we realized who the real enemy was and went after him together? And we fought the good fight of the faith. Some couples do go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. It's an all-out battle to the end where someone will eventually win. If you fight to the finish and you get one winner and two losers, you do. You get one winner and two losers. You got a losing spouse and a losing marriage. One of you may be passive while the other is, is dominant. So you have short fights because the dominant one always overpowers. If one of you dominates the other, trust is broken, walls are built up to protect, and your children will copy your behavior. What if instead of conflict or fighting, we simply engage? Because we're in this hand-to-hand, -hand, not hand-to-hand combat our differences can be resolved and valued what if we did what James tells us to do in James chapter 1 verse 19 understand this he says my dear brothers and sisters you must all nudge your neighbor and say that means you too you must all be quick to listen God gave you two ears, one mouth, right? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And he goes on and explains, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word 
God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. So he says, really listen and value what your spouse has to say. And let me just say to you men, your wife is invested in your success. Listen to her. Listen to her. She has insight that you have no idea where that's coming from. Because you're a man. I can't tell you how many things Christy has saved me from because I simply listened to her. I'd have been in a mess many times in, in our marriage. And yet, the Spirit of God spoke to her and through her one guy said, I think I know what the voice of the Lord sounds like. It sounds a lot like my wife. <laughs> I won't go quite that far, but I will say God speaks to her, and if I listen and, and judge that according to the Word of God, right, according to time and prayer with Him, I usually find out she's usually right on. So, Listen, value what your spouse says. They're invested in your future. They, they want you to succeed. Take your time before you speak so you don't regret what you said later. And embrace the differences you have. Control your anger. Let God's word work on you. He says, look, get rid of all the junk. And humbly accept the word of God. It's working in you. He's planted it in your hearts. It has the power to save your souls. Get in the word of God. Get your life journal going. Start reading. Start reading with us. Let, get, get on the same page. We're, we're all going through this, this reading plan. And God is speaking to us. He's, he's speaking to us daily in his word. If we'll listen, it'll change us. We won't recognize ourselves by the end of this year if we do what God's Word has to say. So let, let the Word of God get in you and work in you. Amen. Amen. And don't use the Word of God as a weapon on anyone but the enemy. You know how it goes. Yeah, but God said. You know, and it's not, it's not to fight one another. It's not toe-to-toe. -to -toe. It's hand in hand. Crawford Lawrence says, my, my sisters and I grew up in a household in which family was a priority. Our parents were adamant that we were to support, support one another and to be loyal to the members of our family. Many times when I was upset with my sisters or we were arguing about something, Pop would say, you'd better remember that all you have in life is each other. That's your sister, son. Family. Work it out. We can either fight each other, or we can fight together. I believe God is calling us to fight together, hand in hand. Second Corinthians, Paul writes, Dear brothers and sisters, I close my letter with these last words. Be joyful. Grow to maturity. Encourage one another. Live in harmony and peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. Amen. Amen. We are role models whether we like it or not. And, and here's how it works best. It's in Deuteronomy. I use this scripture a lot. Deuteronomy chapter 6. Listen, 
O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I'm giving you today. Repeat them over and over again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Put scripture everywhere in your house. And don't just put it there. Talk about it. Talk about what God's doing in your life. Talk about it when you get up in the morning, when you're going to bed at night, on your way to school. We, did, I, we homeschooled our children until we moved here 12 years ago. And so Allie was the first one. Well, actually, Elijah went to school, kindergarten, first half of first grade. Then we went on the road, right? And so we became their teachers. Blame us, okay? <laughs> For all the good things. And then we moved here. Allie was getting ready to go into seventh grade. And so... We enrolled her in the Avongrove Charter School, and uh, I drove her to school every morning. And every day, we would memorize scripture. I had a piece of paper in, in the visor, pull it out. Here's our scripture for this, this week, month, year, however long it takes us. And we'd memorize every day. And we'd pray, and we'd talk about stuff, what was going on in school, what was happening with her friends. That girl was an amazing, uh, she shook up Avongrove Charter back in those days. She brought close to 50 of her friends to our youth group. And, and God just rocked a lot of people's lives through her. And part of that is because the word of God got in her. She began to let it live and mold and shape her. She became very bold for Christ. And so that's, that's what Moses says, look, do it all day long. Growing up, I, I can, my parents poured the word of God into me. One of our, our uh, scriptures that we lived as a family, seek first the kingdom of God Amen. and his righteousness and all these things Everybody else is grabbing for things. Don't grab for the things because things come when you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added. He adds them to you. Everything else everybody's trying to grab, he adds as you seek him first. Another one was trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He'll direct your paths. He'll make your paths straight. Another one was, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. We'd go to bed. We'd be quoting scripture. Last thing we'd hear before we started fighting with one another was, <laughs> yeah, it happened in our house too. But it was the word of God, and it was shaping us. And little did we know that it was being planted deep it was making a difference. And so Moses says, look, all day long, all night, er everywhere you go, when you're walking, running, sitting, 
sleep and stand and talk about. Talk about what God's doing. Hallelujah. Paul said, you should imitate me just as I imitate Christ. Follow me. You're a role model. That was number one. Yeah. I'm going to try to go quicker. Number two, be real. Somebody say real. real. I mean, kids can smell a fake a mile away. Amen. The footsteps your kids follow are likely the ones that you thought you covered up. Because they're watching. They're watching everything you do. They're, they're watching your attitude. They're watching everything you are. And let me just say this. Help them learn from your failures and your successes. Talk about both. Because both of those lessons are vital. Be the same everywhere you go, with everyone you deal with. Make up your mind who you are and be true to that. Just like... Elijah stood in front of the people and he said, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. I mean, don't go, well, I think I'm going to church today, so God is God. But then I'm going to work and Baal is God. Make up your mind who you are. Get in and get all in. Follow God or go be a good sinner, right? Because you're miserable if you're trying to do both. You know, I've been there. I lived some of the most miserable times of my life trying to be a Christian on Sunday and live like the devil through the week. I was much younger then. It wasn't last week, okay? But I know and you know. Because when you're all in for God, there's nothing quite like it. Amen. It's an amazing ride. So be real. Number three, reinforce. Reinforce your kids with praise. Recognize their abilities. And speak into them. Children are not born as a blank slate. They're unique. They're one-of-a-kind individuals. Boy, did we find that out quick. When Isaiah showed up, I mean that in a good way. Elijah, he could, he could sit and play with little action figures and cars and little things all day long, never say anything, just engrossed in his little fantasy world of Superman's coming to kill Batman. And, we don't lie, yeah. and yeah, and then Isaiah. Have you met Roman lately? <laughs> Zion is Elijah. Roman is Isaiah. It's mind-boggling. And, and uh, so, yeah, they're, they're every child is different. And I think sometimes we just think cookie cutter, they're all the same, we'll do the same thing with every kid. You can't. You can't do that because they're unique. The psalmist says to Psalm 139, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. <laughs> Amen. And then he says, your workmanship is marvelous. Doesn't matter how you're made, you're marvelous. Marvelously made. How well I know it. 
You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Then Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Send them in their proper direction. Because you can't send them all in the same direction. They're unique. No cookie cutter here. And every child needs loads of encouragement and affirmation. And every parent needs loads of encouragement and affirmation. And every single person needs loads of encouragement and affirmation. And a lot of it depends on how you say what you say. I'll say something to Christian goes like, oh, that hurt. I'm like, really? He says, it wasn't what you said. It was how you said it. I mean, here's the same words. Way to go. Way to go. Right? Same words. Whole different meaning. I love you. I love you. <laughs> words are powerful. Words have, the proverb says, life and death are right here in the power of the tongue. That guy, all right, yeah. Uh-huh. That guy, all right, yeah. He has power. Power to kill and power to give life. What? Yeah. Uh-huh. So use your tongue wisely. Isaiah 50 verse 4 says, The Sovereign Lord has given me a well-instructed tongue to know the word that sustains the weary. He wakens me morning by morning, wakens my ear to listen like one being instructed. Listen to what God has to say and then speak those life words everyone you meet, especially your children. And celebrate everything. Celebrate if they got good grades. Celebrate if they got completion of a project. Celebrate the first day of summer. Celebrate birthday. Celebrate their anniversaries. Celebrate their periods. That's right. We did. And Allie hated it. It sounded like a great idea. I mean, she was moving into womanhood, and we're like, this is exciting. So we had a period party. And she's going to hate me when she hears about this. So celebrate the first whiskers of your, of your young men. I mean, celebrate everything, right? Celebrate a zip-free day. Come on. They grew an inch. Speak life. And, and just, yeah, okay. Um, uh, okay. All right. Alicia Gilligan says, define the non-negotiables. Obedience, manners, honesty, work ethic, those kind of things. And then explore everything else. And remember this, rules without relationship leads to rebellion. You've got to have that relationship in order to have the rules. Speak life. Proverbs 12, 25 says, anxiety weighs down the heart. But a kind word cheers it up. Amen. So number four, 
How are we doing? Good. Number four, relationship. Keep your relationship alive. Keep a relationship with you alive and make sure their relationship with God is alive. Be really easy to talk to. Be approachable. Let nothing be off limits. Be available. Amen? Relationship, it's, it, it matters. Watch this. If you could have dinner with anyone, living or dead, who would you choose? Kylie Minogue. Oh. <laughs> Marilyn Monroe. Oh, God, I wouldn't have a clue. I oh, know, straight up. Paul Hogan. Kim Kardashian. No, no, no. I'd like to have dinner with Justin Bieber. <laughs> what? He's not coming to my house. So, um... <laughs> I'd have Bob Hawke. Dave Hughes. Barry Humphreys. Jimi Hendrix. People who have made a difference in the world, maybe Nelson Mandela at the dinner table. I don't know what he's going to say, I'm scared. If you could have dinner with anyone in the world, oh. who would you choose? Probably a whole family, like a whole extended family. Mum and Dad. <sighs> Mum and Dad. Does it have to be a celebrity? Family. We love it. We talk about how school is. We ask mum and dad how their day was. Family. Yeah, mum and dad. Family. Yeah. Who would you like to have yeah. dinner with? They just want to be with us mm. while they're eating food, which is pretty cool. They see us above everything. I'm gonna get. Yeah. Yeah. A bit of a message in it for me. Yeah. <laughs> what are we having for dinner? Oh, yeah. And you know, sometimes we think it's the big stuff. It's not always the big stuff, it's the little things that really matter. Keep those relationships alive. Number five, be rowdy. Don't be a stick in the mud all the time. Lighten up. Amen. Have some fun. In Mark Batterson's latest book, If, he tells the story of four college friends who had no idea what to do after graduation, so they decided to climb into an RV, travel across the country, interviewing inspiring people. One day, they simply decided to exit I-90 and taking a beautiful river view in Montana, just a spontaneous impulse. And what they found was a parked 18-wheeler, its driver skipping stones across the water. And by this time, they knew that truck drivers don't do this kind of thing. They're foot to the metal, eyes on the route type, who brake only for truck stops and restroom brakes. And a couple of questions revealed that this trucker had lost his wife the previous day. And grief had jarred something loose in his sense of routine. For 35 years, he said, I've driven by this exit without stopping. I decided this once to exit the freeway. And exit the freeway became something of a mantra for those guys. In some ways, we're all truckers charging to some goal-shaped horizon, fueling up, teeth gritted, clock watched, then charging back the other way. And sooner or later, life is a little bit gray pavement, white lines, with a thousand possibilities hiding beyond every exit ramp. What if we took a quick exit ramp in our relationships? 
and we look for the possibilities that the Lord has for us as we exit the freeway. I believe our marriages need that. I believe our children need that. And we need that. Number six, remember. Remember what you were like as a kid. Just think about it for a second. What did it take for you to grow up? What kind of influence brought you to where you are today in the good ways? And if you can remember, you can relate. Well, I don't know how to do this kid thing. Just think, think, remember back. Remember what got you in hot water with your parents. I used to love it when my mom would look at my dad and she'd go, now, John, remember when you? <laughs> because when you remember, you realize there's hope. Number seven, reach out, reach out and touch someone. Reach out, reach out, and just say hi. Do you remember that commercial? Oh, I'm old. Wow. I can't even remember who did it. it was, was it Southwestern Bell back then or something like that? Yeah, AT&T, I don't know. Experts tell us that we need four hugs a day for survival. We need eight hugs a day to maintain, and we need 12 hugs a day to grow. I think a lot of us are really behind in our hugs. Touch. Reach out and touch your kids. Reach out and touch your spouse. Just. There's healing in touch. There's growth in touch. Not inappropriately. When I, when I was a youth pastor, I used to just beat on the guys, you know, hey, how you doing, man? Boom. Yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. you know, a lot of teenage guys, they don't get touched anymore unless it's on the sports field, right? Reach out and touch. Matthew 8. Verse 2, suddenly a man with leprosy approached Jesus and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean. The Bible says Jesus reached out and touched him. We, uh, our homegrown group and some others, I think we had, I don't know, 60 or 70 people there Tuesday night as we went to see Risen. And one of my favorite scenes was the man with leprosy. Jesus just brought him in and touched him. And I know he was God, and I know he had the power of God flowing through him, and yet you do too. Because that same spirit of Jesus lives in you. There's something healing about touch. I see Ray and Amy here today and their son Danny who's watching from the portals of heaven today. Uh, 
He would come alive when people would touch him. There's something powerful about touch. And I don't know when the miracle took place, but I have a feeling it started when Jesus just touched him because he hadn't been touched in so long. Didn't even know what that felt like anymore because everyone kept him at arm's length. Don't get near him. Don't breathe his air. Don't even get close enough to get his germs on you because he's catching. And you don't want what he has. But Jesus realized something. He needed what Jesus had. And there are those in your family who need what you've got. Reach out and touch them. Jesus said, I'm willing. He said, be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. Number eight, revive them through prayer. Revolutionize them through prayer. If you can't do anything else for your children, for your spouse, you can pray for them. Things can happen as you pray. Things happen when we pray and fast. Philippians 4 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, touch your neighbor, say, in every situation, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and God's peace, that peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'll never forget the day when I was a youth pastor in Iowa, my mom came and preached at our youth group and told everybody how she prayed me off the basketball team when I was in high school. I'm like, it was you. I'm like, really? Are you kidding me? I never knew that. She didn't tell me. She just prayed and fasted. And when, when I came home that day from school, I'm like, I didn't make the team. Oh, I'm so sorry. She'd been fasting and praying because she saw me going in a direction in my life with some people that wasn't a good place. She said, God, you got to do something. And so she revived me and revolutionized my life through prayer and fasting. You can do the same. Number nine, I'm going to close in real quick here. Recognize your responsibility. Proverbs says, know the state of your flocks. Put your heart into caring for your herds. Because riches don't last forever. The crown might not be passed to the next generation. The NIV says, be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. For riches do not endure forever, and a crown is not secure for all generations. Don't just think, hey, they're going to get it. I'm going to take them to church, and that's, that's good. That's good enough, right? They're in church every Sunday for an hour and a half. Two hours. I even bring the youth. Okay? That's another a couple hours. So, hey, I'm good. Four hours. And then you take the math and you figure out how many hours there are in a week. Yeah, God is miraculous. And the presence of God is amazing. But if you're only getting something on Sunday, you're in trouble. And, and so we've, we have a responsibility every day, all day long. You've got to fight for them. Don't let everybody else fight. The enemy's fighting for your kids. Let me just tell you that. He's working overtime. He's trying to get them back. But not on my watch, devil. Not on my watch. No, I won't give up. 
I won't give in. I'm fighting. Amen. And number 10. Relax. Relax. Philippians 1, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work till it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now the translation says being confident of this. Confident of this. He who began a good, good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Unless the Lord builds the house, we labor in vain. Unless the Lord guards the city, watchman stays awake in vain. It's vain to rise up early, to retire late, to eat the bread of painful labors, for he gives to his beloved even in his sleep. Behold, children are a gift of the Lord. Fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. How blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They shall not be ashamed when they speak of their enemies in the gate. And God has called us to walk hand in hand. And to walk hand in hand. We need him. We need him. And we need each other. We can't fight this in our own strength. We can't do everything we need to do in our own strength. We've got to have the power of God Almighty. Bow your heads with me, please. In just a moment, we're going to be celebrating some new life in the waters of baptism. And uh, we're talking about hand in hand. Some of you, you might be here today and you say, well, you know, I don't even know what that means because I've never invited Jesus Christ to be a part of my life. I want to give you the opportunity to do that this morning, to allow Jesus to be the Lord of your life, to walk hand in hand with him and watch where he takes you. Surrender your life to him and let him lead you in ways that will boggle your mind. Because he said, I've come to give you life, and life to the fullest extent possible. If you're not ex experiencing that kind of life today, I want you to raise a hand and say, I want, I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life today. And I want to pray with you about that. If that's you, I want you to just slip up your hand right now all over this place. Say, Pastor, pray for me. I want Jesus Christ to be the Lord of my life. Yes. Anyone else? Just slip it up right now. We're going to pray together, and God's going to change your life. Hallelujah. Yes. Someone else? Yes, ma'am. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. The Spirit of God speaking to you. You can feel it. It's, it your heart's pounding hard. You're like, wow, what is this? It's the, it's the Holy Spirit. Yes, back over here. He's drawn you to Jesus. He wants to change your life this morning. All you got to do is just say yes. Yes to Jesus. It'll be the best decision you've ever made in your life. He'll transform you and give you new life. I'm looking one more time.
because the Bible says if we confess with our mouth Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we are saved. And so Lord, today we come to you and ask you to transform these lives as we pray together. Now pray with me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you right now and I give you my life. Change me, Jesus, from the inside out. Jesus Christ, I declare today that you are Lord. You are Lord of me. And I will live to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you for brand new life. Thank you for a change in me that nobody else can do. Only you, Lord. I give myself to you, Lord Jesus. I decide today to walk hand in hand with God Almighty. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. Thank you for touching me. Thank you for changing me. Thank you for changing the destiny of my life. Let's just lift our hands and begin to praise him this morning. He's an awesome God. Oh, yes, you are, Lord.
some friends could baptize him. So Elijah. Spirit, I will rise from the ashes of 